Storehouse Dallas. In John chapter 1, John the apostle very clearly said that Jesus is the word that was in the beginning. And, and, and And he spoke and he said, let there be light. And the world was framed by the word of God. God took things that were not seen and he brought them into the natural. And he created and he framed the world with his word. And the word is a man. And the man was with God. The word was with God in the beginning. And then the man came to earth and he walked among us. And he spoke and he showed us what it was like and the power of the living word. And he went around and he spoke and he spoke and he spoke and the power of God was in his words. And he lifted up praise to the Father and the power was on his words. And then he was crucified and he rose and he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us so that we could walk with the word the way that he walked with the apostles in the first church. We have the word of God with us. He is with us. In John chapter 5, he said this. Jesus said this to the, to the Pharisees. He said, you seek out the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. But these are they that testify of me. But you're not willing to come to me for life. So he was admonishing the Pharisees saying, you are filled with religious traditional practices, but yet there is a word that is alive every day. He said, I am the cloud by day and the fire by night. I am the place that leads you and guides you and helps you and counsels you and ministers to you and teaches you. I give you everything that you need. Amen? So he went to the cross to tear the veil so that the door could be open. We have a door that is open and to cross over. The veil has been torn. And beloved, even though the veil's been torn for 2,000 plus years, I can tell you that the Lord is saying, enter in, enter in, enter in, enter in. Now is a time. Now is a time in history where I'm giving you access to excess. I am giving you access. And and so what, if you say yes to this in this hour, what's going to happen is he's going to begin to awaken you with hunger to go away with him, to go into the doorway, to hear what he's saying. Amen. So, uh, He came to the earth to demonstrate how we're to love, how we're to access the word to connect to God. Jesus talked about his relationship with his father through prayer. And he said this in John chapter 5 verse 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does. And so he was a beautiful shadow of the Father. He was a beautiful picture. Remember he said to Philip, Philip was like, show us the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father because I am the exact representation of the Father. I am the exact, what you see of me, you see of him. And that's not 
were far removed from us. That's exactly what he did. He was a forerunner and he said, let me show you how to do that. As I was with the father, so you will be meet with me and the father. It is not different But we made it this whole religious thing where we said, okay, we're just going to go to church on Sunday. And then if we're really religious, we'll go to church on Wednesday. And then if we're super religious, we'll go into the prayer room. We'll adopt the prayer room vernacular. We'll have all of these scriptures that we can quote all the time. But actually we have, we do not even look like Jesus. We don't do what he does. We don't say what he says. We're too busy being in charge. John chapter 14, verse 12. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. He's like, look. I want to tell you that this is really good news. I'm going to go away, but I'm going to leave you the helper. How many of you need help? Okay, I'm going to leave you the counselor. How many of you need counsel? I am going to leave you the one and only teacher. How many of you need to be taught by God? How many of you need wisdom from heaven, not wisdom from your own experience? I don't know about you, but my experience hasn't been that great. I have a lot of experience in how I did it wrong. And I finally got a clue and went, well, I'm not that great at this. I should probably ask the Lord about everything. And the thing is, is that the Lord may say, here's the way I want you to do it this way. And then the, then, then the next time the thing happens, I, you know, should I go, oh, well, that's the way I did it then. No, he's like, no, spit on that mud and stick it in their eye. It's different all the time. He's the same, but he's always doing different stuff. John chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. This is the key to your life, beloved. If you abide in me and my words, my words, say my words. Abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. How many of you want... To ask what you desire and it be done for you. Okay, well, there's a key there. You actually have to abide in the word. Okay, so you actually have to do what he tells you to do and you have to say what he says to say. You have this idea of the way it's going to go, don't you? Okay, you know how to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. Okay? That's the only Christian joke I know. (laughs) Sorry. All right. So through Jesus' prayer life, Jesus ruled and reigned over this. Mark 4.39. You don't have to put it up there, but you can write it down if you want. Number one, he ruled over natural problems. Number two, he ruled over sickness and diseases. Number three, he ruled over all evil spirits. Number four, he ruled over death. Number five, he ruled over poverty. Number six, he ruled over temptation. And number seven, he ruled over sin. That's a pretty good prayer life. 
And so he said, the disciples said, teach us how you pray because the way that you pray is different because you're getting some incredible results from your prayer life. Everything that you pray is being answered. How can I pray how you prayed? So we're going to be going over this over the next week. We're going to cover how do I pray over natural problems? How do I pray over sickness and disease, evil spirits, death, poverty, temptation, sin? We're going to go through all of that. Because the, the Lord said, I didn't leave you alone but I left you with a helper, the Holy Spirit, so that you can rule and reign over the earth. So he said, I left you in charge. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I left you in charge. You're in charge. You're large and in charge. However, you've got a boss, the jefe, the big guy. All right? You can't do anything. Unless he tells you, and then it will be done. So let's talk about prayer. So prayer, I always used to think prayer was, um, when I first started praying, I always used to think prayer was asking. And man, I had a long list of requests and asks. It's just like, okay, so I have a lot of needs. And uh, let's just review. First of all, all of these needs have to do with all of my pain. I don't want to be in any pain. I don't want to be in any discomfort. And I want to be, you know, wealthy, good looking, you know, I mean, I had the list. How many of you have the list? You know, it's like, you know, I want to be great. I want to be successful. I want to be popular. I mean, let's just get raw and real. That's what we all want. We're all still in high school, basically. <laughs> Would you sign my yearbook? That's all Facebook is. You know that, right? It's just a big yearbook that never ends. And you're like, am I popular today? <laughs> so um, let's uh, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. Oh, babe, I don't have my glasses. I will never be able to read this. John got a, I gave John a great Bible, thank you, for Christmas. I mean, this thing is like, a monster Bible with monster words. The words are like this big. It's like 18 font. It's like a phone book. <laughs> but he very faithfully carries it around. You could kill someone with that Bible. But that's a sin, so we don't do that. <laughs> All right. Matthew chapter 6. Um, let's start at verse 8. So the disciples said, okay, tell us how you're doing this because you've got a key that's unlocking the heart of the Father and he's doing what you ask him to do. You're walking in these miracles, signs and wonders, answered prayer, you're multiplying things, you're walking on water. So you've got this supernatural life and obviously you've got a different prayer than the Pharisees who are over there saying the same things over and over and droning on. So we want to do it the way you're doing it. That right there is wisdom. God, teach us to pray. Verse 8, therefore, do not be like them, the Pharisees, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask. <clears throat> so um, the Lord knows what you need before you ask. You don't need to ask him. He already knows. He already knows the list that's on your list. 
Why? Because he made you. And beyond what's on your list, he may not even see what's on your list. He sees what's on his list for you, which is more than you can hope or imagine. And he's looking at your list and he's like, man, I gotta, you got to raise up your, your vision a little, the eyes to see the list that I have for you so you can start hoping for something more. So uh, he said, I want you to pray in this manner. Uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread or give us this day our daily word and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, Okay, so prayer. um, Here's the beauty of prayer. Prayer is not a... uh, It's not a mechanical exercise. We are not robots. But we have been given um, emotions like God has emotions. And he gave us emotions so we could love. And love is our greatest reward that we could love Jesus. We could love him. We could fall in love with him. But a lot of us, what we've done is we've allowed our hearts to get all crusty because of pain. And so we've hidden ourselves away behind the walls that we have used to protect ourselves from hurt and from pain. And, but the problem with that is that it keeps us from being fully vulnerable in a place of prayer with the Lord. And so when we go to him, we can't feel him. We can't experience him. And we, we think of it almost like, okay, step one, step two, step three. We lost the relational part of touching the hem of his garment, touching that flesh that is his, you know. Seeing a man who is 100% man, 100% divine. And I love, I actually posted something this morning. Love like you've never been hurt. Love like you've never been hurt. And so you forget and you let it go. You let the pain of of the of of how people have betrayed you and hurt you and and you and you push that at the cross you know it's just like no i'm going to keep loving i'm going to keep loving and i'm going to fight for love i'm going to fight to keep my heart alive in love because i don't want the enemy to steal even a hint of love that i could be giving to god because i want to be wholehearted in my love towards god and towards others And so I fight to keep my heart alive in love. Uh, Proverbs uh, 4.23 is one of my favorite scriptures. Guard your heart with all your strength, for out of it the issues of life flow. Everything's going to flow out of your heart and your emotions. And if we've allowed them to become, uh, if we allow ourselves to be wounded warriors, then what happens is that we can't be fully vulnerable and, and, and emotional with God. And so that really is the first part of prayer. First part of prayer is just letting it go. And listen, I know bad things happen. But the beauty of God is that he already knows. And like David, we can go to him and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry and say, I'm so sad. 
I'm so sad. I can't keep it together before you because you, you understand my weakness, my pain, and just take it to him. And he's faithful to draw near to you to heal your heart. So the first part of prayer is just being real and taking the mask off and not trying to be super all together because you're not. None of us are. Thank goodness. We can all just be messy and um, beautiful in our mess. And so what he's saying here in Matthew chapter 6 in this, he's not saying, I want you to pray this way. He's saying, this is a model. I want you to, it's like when you, um, you know, you have a, a washer and dryer and it comes with a manual, you know. You don't read the manual instead of actually using the washer and dryer. No, it teaches you how to use the washer and dryer. And then you go, okay, I'm going to use it this way. And then I'm going to learn how to use it and use it more or, or a recipe book. You know, you go in the kitchen to cook. You don't keep reading the recipe book without actually cooking. You know, I mean, that, you'd be hungry. You'd eat, you can't eat the recipe book. You know, it's just like, oh, here's how to do it. Here's how to do it. Here's how to do it. I'm just going to keep saying and reading the recipe. And your family's going to be hangry at you. So he said, I... I'm showing you this. It's a recipe. It's not actually no repita. Don't repeat it. Just do what it says. And so you access heaven. You access God. You come before him. The door is open. You you boldly approach him with, with humility and worship and love. And you're like, I love you. I love you. I'm ministering to you. You are beautiful. Just like we are praying this morning. Just like Lindsay was singing this morning. You know, and when you're sad or when you're hurt or when you're confused, sing through it. Sing through it. Worship through it. Love through it. I love you even though I hurt. I worship you even though I'm disappointed. I love you even though I'm betrayed. And he just rushes in. It says that he'll be near to those who are mourning. And I will guarantee you he'll come in and comfort your heart. So he said, listen, ask. Ask for my kingdom to come. And he said that my words would be done or my will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So ask me that my will will be done in your life. There's, there's, there's a will in heaven. There are words in heaven. And his will is his words. It's the same thing. And so he's like, there are words that you need to bring down into the earth. Page two. So when Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, she did so with a purpose. When she sat there at the feet of Jesus, and Martha's over there working, it said that Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word, she was a woman with a purpose. She wasn't just sitting there. There was no pedicure going on. She was there to say, Speak to me. And so she had her ears open, 
her eyes opened. She was awakened to the spirit to hear what the master, what her beloved, what her bridegroom was going to speak to her. And in order to do that, Mary had to stop. She had to stop with her busyness. She had to stop all activity. But we don't know how to do that. If we stop, then what happens is that our mind is racing. If I physically stop, then my mind keeps moving. It's like I'm going 100 miles an hour, but I physically will stop and I'll pause and I'll be in that place. But my mind is, is still running because our souls are so loud with the busyness of life, with the cares of this world. And so our first challenge in prayer is to stop. And we almost have to physically force ourselves into this posture of sitting at the feet of Jesus because the world will say that it's nonsense. Why do you waste your time praying to an invisible God? Why do you give him so much time? Why do you sit in a room with your eyes closed, waiting on an invisible man. It's complete, it's a complete lunacy. But yet, it is the wisdom of God that causes the wisdom of the world to come down. And this is the way that he chose for us we have a heart, each one of you. There is greatness in each one of you, and you know it. You know there's greatness in you. You can feel it. You know it's part of your DNA. But yet, you've tried in your own strength to achieve the greatness that God has for you. But he's like, no. I will no longer allow this generation to achieve greatness without me. And so even this year, there's been a shift where he's removing his hand and his grace off of the workers. And I'm sorry to say that to you. I know this is really bad news for some type A people in this room because you're like, oh man. Because the truth is we get our significance from our busyness. <clears throat> but you see, there was no activity on the cross. Only the painful process of dying. And the truth is, some of us really need to die. We need to crucify the flesh, and we need to get up on that cross and hold still. Because there really needs to be a resurrection in our lives. Because the way we've been doing it is not working. And the things that we know that God has for us, we have not been able to achieve in our own strength. 
So I want you to fill in the blank here. If I'm busy, then I feel blank. If I'm busy, how does that make you feel? Does it make you feel productive? Valuable? Purposeful? Meaningful? Loved? What happens if you stop and let Jesus take over? I'm killing sacred cows here, guys. Because this used to be me. My value and worth was so tied up to my activities and my ability to produce that I couldn't be still and let God take over. And he had to bring me to the very end of myself where every single thing in my life was falling apart. And I finally at that point said, oh, okay. Okay, I'm done. But we don't have to get to that point. If you will die, there can be a resurrection. But the beauty is about prayer is that when you stop and you begin to die, it's going to take a little time. I mean, Lazarus was in the grave for three days. So it's going to take time for you to go from the the soul-generated life to the spirit-generated life. And so there's an exchange that's going to take place. But you know, when the soul begins to die, (laughs) there's a lot of screaming and gnashing of teeth. And manifesting. I'm telling you, like serious manifesting. You'll be arguing with God, well, this doesn't look like prayer. Well, this doesn't look like, I mean, you'll be sitting there going, I don't know. I don't know where you are, but I know that this is, this doesn't feel like anything's happening. I don't hear you. I don't hear you. I don't see you. I don't know what that pastor was talking about. I'm sitting here and nothing's happening except me falling asleep or being bored out of my mind, right? And I say this to you because I have personal experience. These are conversations that I've had. But if you'll stop and allow the process of death to occur, he can say to you in your own name, Matthew, come forth. Johnny, come forth. Sarah, come forth. Katie, come forth. And what he'll do is he'll speak to your spirit by name. And he'll begin to raise you up from the dead so that your spirit man takes up uh, and and comes up over. It takes up uh, 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 leadership over your soul. And all of the sudden... You are having the same encounter that you had this morning with a room full of people, but you're alone. And the Holy Spirit is coming in the same kind of intensity, and you're praying, and you're on your face, and you're raising up your hand, and you're like, I didn't even know it could be this good that you would come in this way just for me. Just for me. So Mary heard. She was listening to his words, and she was speaking. He was speaking. He was speaking, and it was bringing forth life to her dry soul, giving her a hope for a future. 
strengthening her in her face so she could prosper and have authority to prosper with him to move mountains. She needed a miracle in her life. Her brother was dead. Lazarus was dead. Mary needed a miracle. She fell at his feet. And he was like, oh, I know you. And because of their emotional, deep, affectionate connection, he was moved by her. And so that kind of connection where you've ministered to the Lord and you're like, I need to hear your voice. I need to hear your voice. I need you to say something to me so that I can say something and speak to that situation in my life. Because I can sit here and prophesy out of my soul, but let me tell you what prophesying out of your soul is going to get you. Nowhere. Nowhere. That's right. Nothing. But disappointment. And then you'll think that God isn't who he really is. And you'll get hope deferred. You'll get heart sick. 20 years will pass by. And you'll think this God isn't real. But what happened to Mary is that Jesus broke in and interceded. You see, what you have, if you have the great I am, the living word living on the inside of you, wanting to speak to the mountains in your life and wanting to speak through you. Jesus is saying today, don't ask me what you need because I already know. Hear my words and I will give you my words of what to say and what to do. So if we can get rid of the busy brain syndrome, then what happens is we can enter in and begin to hear. Let me tell you a little secret. Everybody, man, woman, child, hears the voice of their father. There is not one person that he is not talking to. All you have to do is be still and listen. Your history in the quiet place will give you authority to take those mountains down. And so this is what I do when I go to prayer. I basically have to do a brain flush. Okay, that's a real thing. It's a brain flush. So when I sit down to pray, I have my Bible, I have my glasses, I've got something to write with, I've got my highlighters, because I like, I like going through the word, word by word, I mean, it's just like, oh, what does that word mean? That word's such a good word, Lord, what does that word mean? What were you saying when you said that? And so I just have this conversation with him while I'm in that place, but I start off just worshiping him, just ministering to him. I mean, I'm like, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. And it's not, it's not just words, but it's a sincere cry of my heart. I see you. Show me who you are. I want to see you in a new way today. What are you doing today? How's your day going? What are your plans today? Lord, what do you want to do together today? You know, I talk to him like I talk to John. You know, gets up in the morning. Jesus doesn't drink coffee, but, you know, I've got my coffee, and I'm like, man, this is good coffee you made. Thank you, Lord. I mean, it's just a, it's just a relational thing. And then what happens is that when I begin to get still, uh, the laundry list in my mind starts going off of everything that I haven't done. And so I don't fight that or try to ignore it because it won't go away. 
So I keep my pad next to me and I just write down everything in my mind of the things that I didn't do or the list of laundry items that I need to get done. All my housekeeping stuff. Da, 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 da. Oh yeah, I forgot to call. And it's so funny when you're going about your day, you never remember that you didn't talk to you know the high school teacher of your son's math class. You're like, oh gosh, I forgot that. And then I forgot that. And then I forgot that. And so what's happening is you're taking and you're letting your soul slow down, your brain slow down so that you can get it on a piece of paper. Now, what will happen is that that will come to the end. You'll flush it, a brain flush, and everything will come out and it's all sitting on that paper. Once that happens, then you can really start doing business with the Lord. And you can really begin to be quiet and listen. A lot of times I'll put on worship. I love IHOP worship sets. That's my thing. But you may have a different thing. Find your thing. So I quietly put that on. And I just praise him. And I worship and I worship and I worship and I worship. And look, I have a laundry list of needs. I have a lot of things that I'm believing the Lord for. But I don't ask him. I don't go to him saying, I need food. I go to him and say, how are you going to do this? How are you going to get this food for me? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? And so then I just keep worshiping. I keep worshiping. I love you so much. You're such a good leader. You're such a good father to me. You're a good God. And I keep worshiping. And then he'll drop in my spirit what he wants me to say. Now, what he wants you to say is what he wants you to sow. So when you, when you say you're sowing, so you're sowing it out into the environment so that it'll reproduce what God intended it to. And so you're prophesying to the mountains. Here's this mountain. Here's this mountain. Here's this mountain. God, what do you want me to say? So something comes up. If something comes up and you're like, oh, no, something bad happened. What are we going to do? Instead of going to the default of your past experience, go, God, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say to this mountain? What do you want me to say? And he'll give you something to say. All you got to do is say what he says. And I know that sounds like madness. And it is. But it works every single time. And what happens is you just keep saying what he said until he tells you not to say what he said. I know, right? And we're going to go over that a little bit more next week. So you ask him what he wants to do about whatever situation, X, Y, and Z. What do you want to do about this, Lord? Because again, if you are in the will of the Lord, if you are in the will of the Lord and you do not have offense or unforgiveness in your heart, what happens is you say this, it's not my problem. This is not my problem. I'm doing what you told me to do. This thing's in my way. This is your problem. And I need you to move this out of my way. That's how I talk to the Lord. I'm like, I, you know, if you, if you don't want to move it out of the way, that's fine. I'll just sit here. Until you talk to me, 
Because I can't move that problem. That problem is impossible for you to move. But he said, if you'll speak to it, if you'll have the faith as a mustard seed, you'll speak to that mountain, speak to it. What do I do? I say what he says. God said, blah, blah, blah. Okay? So I'm going to give you guys a testimony. <clears throat> um, several years ago, we, one of our worship leaders' husband um, stayed in his car during a Dallas Cowboy football game, went to his truck. Anyway, it was 100 and, I don't know, like eight outside, 108. So he fell asleep in his truck, and um, his body temperature went up. And it, it went up to the point where it separated his brain stem from his brain, um, which happens as a protective mechanism in the body. Um, and so by the time they found him, they rushed him to the hospital and they put him on ice trying to get his body to cool down. But he was already brain dead. Um, and so his body then started to, uh, all of his organs started to shut down. And so over a period of like four days, he coded several times. And so they're bringing him back, bringing him back. He's in ICU. And they told his wife, you know, you need to pr be prepared because he's in a permanent vegetative state. If he even makes it, we don't think he's going to make it. We think he's going to die. So I'm like, okay. So again, this is not my problem, but it is a, a problem. So, Lord, I'm not going to, I'm like, this is, this is not okay. So, this, this, this righteous indignation rises up in me, and I'm like, this is not okay. This is not on my watch. This is not going to happen. This, this man and this, she's one of our worship leaders. They have a two-year-old. This is not okay. This child is not going to be fatherless. So, I began to ask the Lord, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? And he said to me, what are you going to do about it? See, Jesus already did it, right? He already did it. He's like, I, I already did my part. And so I said, I don't know. What am I going to do about it? And he said, I want you to call a three-day fast and get everybody on the wall 24 hours a day praying and fasting. And I want you to go to the hospital, lay hands on him, and tell him that he is going to raise up in three days. And I was like, Okay. Now, you think that's really cool? Like, that's really cool, right? All right. That's awesome. No, 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 no. 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 I had to walk through a crowd of people who were mad at me for giving false hope. I had to walk through a crowd of people who didn't believe that he could live. All of his friends, all of his family. And so John and I just said, oh, we're going to do this. We're really going to do this. Oh, we're going to do this. And so I'm walking the death walk into the ICU. <laughs> Going, okay, I'm trying not to look at the stares of people. And everybody, meanwhile, we're, everybody's like, okay, we're going to fast and pray. We're going to fast and pray. There were people that had never fasted in their whole life going, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. 
I've never prayed for two hours, but I'm going to fast and pray. And so we got all of these people from several churches, several churches that, had, again, didn't even believe in the things of the Holy Spirit, were jumping on board to fast and pray for this guy. So we go, and, um, and I'm the only one that goes into the ICU to pray for him. And I'm not kidding you. It was like, in three days, you're going to... In three days, you're going to rise up. And then it wasn't even like, in three days, you're going to rise from the dead. There was none of that. There was a timid, scared, I don't know if this is going to work kind of thing. But what did I do? I said what he said. I said what he said. I believed to a point that I was there to say it, and and that's all he needed from me. He just needed a a willing vessel to go and do the work, the handiwork of the Lord. And so I did, and people got on the wall, and it was awesome. We all fasted and prayed in three days. Three days, that man sat up in his bed, and he said, I am hungry. (laughs) Three days. On the third day. Now, see, here's the thing. Uh, uh, it was hard, but it's easy. God said, just be a parent. Just repeat what I say. Just say what I say and do what I'm doing. What are you doing? I'm, you get them to fast and pray. Okay, I'm going to do that. What, what should I say? This is what I want you to say. Okay, I can say that. And all of a sudden, God moved heaven and earth. And now there's a child on the earth that has a father. Because somebody said, not on my watch. Somebody said, this is not okay. And so I want us as a family to begin to get that kind of of, of righteous indignation about our city. This is your city. Dallas belongs to you. God has put you here. This is your family. This is your city. It's not okay that this city has not come down for the Lord. It's not okay that this city, that revival is not breaking out in this city. And so it's like, okay, God, what are you going to do about this? What do you want us to say? We're all going to say what you told us to say. And so we have um, actual prayer uh, journals that we're going to be giving out again next week because the Lord has already told us, here's what I want you to say. I want everybody saying what I said. And if I get everybody in agreement, one with the spirit and and, uh, the unity of the faith, one with the word and one with each other, guess what? We're going to see the city taken for Jesus. And we can finally get about the business of having revival because Jesus is worthy He is worthy of our time. He is worthy of our prayers. He is worthy of our gaze and our affection. There is a beautiful man sitting on a throne, hearkening you to come to be with him. He's calling you home into his loving arms. He desires you. So this morning... What I want to do is, for those of you who have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and when I say the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about water. So I'm talking about the Holy Spirit and fire. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire is what Jesus died for. He died for the baptism of the Spirit. He died for the baptism of fire. If it was just the baptism of water, he didn't have to die because he was already baptizing people in the water. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? There has to be a second baptism, a baptism of fire, which you will find in the book of Acts chapter 2. Thank you. Well, chapter 2, but also 9. 19. Chapter 19. You'll hear, you'll, you'll, you, you can read about, and we can go over that later next week. But anyway, you've got to be baptized in fire because what happens is that that is, is like the indweller, indwelling spirit of the Lord comes on the inside of you. And then what it does is it illuminates your eyes and your ears so you can see and hear in the spirit. You have to hear in the spirit in order to hear the voice of your father. So this morning, what we want to do, if you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, we want to lay hands on you and, and do that so that, that it can get really fun for you. Because we don't want you to be out of the party that we're having up here where we all just throw off everything and act crazy. Um. I love y'all. It's about to get really good. It's about to get really good. The things that we've been believing God for are happening even now. He's moving in you and in your heart. He's drawing you in and you can tell. Some of you are manifesting. Some of you are surrendering. But it's, it's a beautiful thing that's happening with us. And so I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you're my family. Each and every one of you have been handpicked by God to be a part of this family, the living stones on these walls. And what an honor and privilege it is to run with you. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for all that you're doing in the earth. God, I thank you that you didn't leave us. But God, you're coming, you're coming, you're coming. And I thank you for the drawing away. Would you give us grace to pray? Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? We just surrender our schedules to you. We surrender our daytimers to you, Lord. And we say, have your way, oh God. Tell us how to pray, how long to pray, when to pray. God, you get to be the leader. You get to dictate to us every part of this reality in our lives, God. But you're worthy, God. You're worthy of the surrendering of our schedules. You're worthy, God, that we, that we stop our busyness, that we sit at your feet and we listen. Father, I pray that you would make us good listeners that we could hear what the Spirit is saying. Father, would you come, and, and even in the places where our hearts have been so uh, beat up in this last season, would you just come and, 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 and hold our tears, catch our tears for us, God? Would you, would you turn um, ashes into beauty and, and help us to grow up and mature? And we love you, and we bless you, and we thank you, Lord, for all that you're wanting to do. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you would like to partner with us, you can visit storehousedallas.com forward slash give or you can send a text message with an amount to 84321. Thank you very much for your contributions.